0: Wow, what a lively group. (laughs) Great to hear it. Great to see you all. Would you turn to Matthew chapter 5? We'll be looking at verses 33 through 37. It's on page 1116 if you're using the Bible under the seat in front of you. Really interesting passage before us this morning in the Sermon on the Mount. Father, I pray your blessing upon your word. It never returns void. You've handpicked each one of us to be here this morning for this very passage. So I pray that we would have hearts ready to receive and apply. What you have for us this morning in Jesus name. Amen. I heard about a man who'd been Christmas shopping at the mall. He was finished. He wanted to get home. Hurriedly he backed out of his parking space and smashed right into a car parked behind him. A large crowd heard the crash, saw the accident. This guy got out of his car, surveyed the damage wrote a little note, stuck a note on the windshield. All the eyewitnesses were impressed. Here's an honest man. A couple hours later, the owner of the car came out of the mall. He saw the damage in the man's note, and it read, I just smashed your car. The people who saw the accident are watching me. They think I'm leaving you my name and address. I am not. Good luck. Honest men and women of integrity are becoming more and more rare in this society. Some would say even extinct. Today, deception, half truths, exaggeration, flattery, excuse making, manipulation rule the day. And it's everywhere. Dishonesty is an epidemic from preschool through graduate school, from home to the workplace, from the streets to the courthouses. From personal relationships to media, advertisement, and news. People lie to make themselves look better. People lie to protect themselves from consequences. People lie to gain something they want. People fail to keep their promises. It's becoming hard to trust people today in this society. But that shouldn't be true for kingdom people. Not for Christians. Christians are to be men and women of pristine integrity. And King Jesus expects that of us. Notice what he says in verse 33. He says, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old... You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be what? Yes. And let your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Jesus is referring in general to several passages in the Old Testament law that speak of taking oaths in the name of the Lord. And you should know that in the Old Testament law... For various serious matters, it was encouraged to take an oath in the name of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 20 says, You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast, and you will take oaths in his name. To take an oath in the name of the Lord was giving an absolute insurance of the truthfulness. It was adding weight to your obligations. So, when there were criminal disputes or civil disputes, the priests would put people under oath to swear in the name of the Lord. If you were a witness, you were put under oath. If the Lord had blessed you with something really beautiful in your life, you could go to the temple and swear, put yourself under oath to give something to the Lord. Some of these vows were voluntary. The Nazarite vow, taking an oath in the name of the Lord that you would abstain from certain things in your life. The vow of the warrior, promising God your very life, if so called upon. These were encouraged, these were important. Those serious matters of life, in the name of the Lord, I swear. Now, if you did that, If you took an oath like that, it was very serious. You better keep it. Jesus says, the law says in verse 33, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. In other words, if you make a covenant, don't break it. If you promise something in the name of the Lord. Numbers 30 verse 2 says, if a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath, to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So if you made a vow or a promise or took an oath in the name of the Lord, you were essentially saying, should I fail to keep this promise? I put myself under the curse of the Lord and his punishment. Very serious thing to do that. So you didn't make a promise like that lightly. You should never promise God in a haphazard way. Several years ago, we were helping a man uh, through a very difficult time in his life. And he says to me, Pastor, I swear to God... I will attend all your services for the rest of my life till the day I die. And I said, please, no, you don't have to say that. We're happy to help you freely in the name of the Lord. And he said, no, I swear to God, till I die. Well, he must have died three weeks later. (laughs) Never saw the guy again. You don't make promises to God flippantly. When you make a promise, in the Old Testament, when you were taking an oath in the name of the Lord, it was deadly serious. It was very, very important. So that's what the law said, but you should know that in the days of Jesus, the Pharisees, the scribes, the rabbis, had made a joke Of the oath-making system. You remember, we've talked about this before. The scribes, the rabbis, the Pharisees, they had their own interpretations of the written law of Moses. And they would come up with all different types of ways to fulfill the law of the Old Testament. Their oral traditions and all of that. Well, these guys taught that the name of the Lord is so holy that you shouldn't utter it. God's name is so holy, it would be very rare that you would say the name of the Lord out loud. So it would be very rare for you to take an oath in the name of the Lord. So they literally came up with different categories of what you could swear by. A hierarchy of things that you could swear by. Now, if you swore in the name of the Lord, you had to keep it. But if you swore in something else, it wasn't taken that serious. And they had different oaths representing different binding to keeping your word. So if something was a big deal, you'd swear by heaven. Mm, something's not so big, swear by earth. Or swear by Jerusalem. Or swear by your head. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus rebukes them for doing this. He says, Woe to you blind guides who say, Whoever swears by the temple, it's nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he's obliged to perform it. Whoever swears by the altar, it's nothing. But whoever swears by the gift that is on it, He's obliged to perform it. It was a bunch of game playing. It was like, remember as a kid, I dare you. I double dare you. I double dog dare you. (laughs) It's like making a promise with your fingers crossed. The historian said that the swearing of oaths had degenerated into a system of rules as to when you could lie and when you could not. All of this produced in its adherence a profound spiritual schizophrenia. I'm not telling the truth, but I'm really not lying. And so this spilled out of the religious realm into the common everyday interaction between people and society and in the marketplace. And Jesus said, here, quit playing games. Don't swear at all. You come up with these silly categories as if God's not involved. God's involved in all of your promises. So you swear by heaven. Well, heaven's God's throne. God's involved. You swear by earth. Earth is God's footstool. You swear by Jerusalem. That's the city of the divine king. You swear by your head. Hey, God created your head. In other words, Jesus said, every oath or promise is made in the presence of God. Your vow is binding, irrespective of its accompanying formula. Say what you mean, and mean what you say. Let your yes be yes, and your no Be no. And Jesus goes, anything beyond that's from the evil one. You know, the devil's the father of lies, the devil's the inventor of tricky, deceitful language that you hide behind. And when you're being deceptive like that, you're acting just like. Evil one. So let's break that down for us this morning, my brother and sister in Christ. We need to be truthful people. We need to speak the truth, and we need to speak the truth in plain language. Those simple, monosyllable words like yes and no. Real powerful. James said in James chapter 5, But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. So when you're speaking, don't swear. Don't say things like, I swear to God. I swear on my grandmother's grave. I talked to a guy once, and he It was a marriage issue and I was talking with this couple and he he wanted to pull out the Bible and said, I'll put the Bible right there, Pastor. I swear on the Bible. You know, that makes people suspicious. Now, is this saying that um, we're not allowed to take oaths in a court of law? You know, you go to a court of law and you raise your right hand. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, I'll swear. so help me God. Or does this mean that we don't have to take vows publicly when we have a wedding ceremony? Or when someone's commissioned to a public office, is this scripture against that? You know, it's interesting. Some Christian groups like the Quakers, the Mennonites, early on the Baptists, the Anabaptists, they took this passage as something that would forbid that. I don't think it forbids that at all. Jesus was put under oath. And under oath swore that he was the Messiah. Paul the Apostle was put under oath. I think it's important that we have those moments in our lives and those real official formal moments To put yourself under oath. And those are necessary. A.M. Hunter said, oaths arise because men are so often liars. But I don't think Jesus is speaking in that formal arena. I think he's speaking in the everyday interaction and communication with people. As you conduct business. As you interact with your neighbors. Your friendships your spouse, your children. Speak the truth in plain language. Don't swear. Don't exaggerate. Don't embellish stories to make you look better. Don't manipulate. Don't flatter. Speak truthfully. Do not deceive people, my brother and sister in Christ. Don't lie. You know, it's exhausting to be a liar. It's been said the difference between a person who tells the truth and the person who tells a lie is that the liar's got to have a much better memory. The problem with lying are the 15 succeeding lies you have to tell to cover up the original one. That Scottish poet, 200 years ago. Oh, what a tangled web we weave. When first we practice to deceive. You know, you'll you'll get found out. Liars don't get away with it. As hard as they try to cover it up, eventually the truth wiggles out, doesn't it? So much easier to just tell the truth. One Thanksgiving Eve, a woman went to the grocery store to purchase a turkey. She was going to serve the next day. This was the night before Thanksgiving. The guy had one turkey left. He pulls the turkey out, puts it on the scale, 15 pounds. She says, you know, I'm going to need a little more meat. Do you have a 19-pound turkey? So he only has one turkey left. He puts the turkey in the cooler, takes it out again like he took another one out, puts it on the scale, pushes down. 19 pounds, how about that? And the woman said, awesome. You know what, though? Wrap up both of them. (laughs) Busted. Can't be trusted. You know... Your good name is your word. Jesus expects his people to be honest in character. Men and women of integrity on the inside. And he expects us to tell the truth. And we need to be those that tell the truth, even when it hurts. You know that guy that put that note on the windshield? He should have put his name and address, and number, and email. And yeah, his insurance would have gone up. And yeah, he would have had to pay some money. But in God's view, in God's perspective, we're to be honest and truthful. Proverbs 28, verse 6 says, Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Do you believe that proverb? Or to be truthful? Now I think this passage also means as Christians that we're to be trustworthy. When we commit to something, we're to keep it. And so it's really important that You understand when you're being asked to do something, your yes and your no is important. If it's no, it's no. But if it's yes, you should follow through. So that should certainly be true in in the big commitments in life. I mean, if you're a businessman or woman and and you you enter into a contract with someone and you say, I'm going to do this amount of work for this amount of money in this amount of time. You best follow through. You sign a note, you're borrowing money, you're going to pay it back. Your signing on the line is yes. You better pay it back. Certainly in a marriage. When you stand before God and His people and you give vows, you say vows to one another, you should remember those vows. Even in those seasons when it gets hard in a marriage. Remember, in a marriage, you took a vow, you made a promise, you gave your word. There's a spouse who remembers the promise you made. There's a little boy, there's a little girl, who's still counting on you to keep your word to them. You said you'd never leave. You'd always be there for them. Did you keep it? Will you keep it? You know, even in the everyday interaction of life, the daily promises you make. You promise that you're going to serve at church. Keep it. You promise that you're going to help a friend move. And then that day comes where it's time to move. Oh, no, what kind of excuse can I make? No, keep it. You promise to meet someone for lunch at a specific time be there. You promised to throw the ball with your son after dinner. Keep it. Now, I get it. We're busy. I get it. There's a lot of things going on. My wife, Kim, is always after me. People call and make an appointment, and her first question is, did you put it on your calendar? You have a phone. Use it. Right? And I say, "I'll, I'll remember. I'll remember. And then how often do we freeze? Sometimes we forget. But my brother and sister in Christ, that should be the exception. Not the rule of your life. If you sign up for something, do it. Follow through with your promises. I think that's what people should expect of Christians, don't you? Once a woman was enjoying a day at the beach and she found a spot, just stretched out in her beach chair, hanging out. When a boy, maybe eight years old, approached her and he asked her, ma'am, are you a Christian? And the lady said, yes. He asked again, do you go to church? She said, yes. He asked a third time, do you read your Bible and pray every day? Now she's wondering, what's up with this kid, eight years old? But she said, yes, I try to. And finally, the boy revealed his thinking. He asked her, ma'am, will you hold my money while I go swimming? (laughs) People know you're a Christian. They should be able to count on you. You're a man of your word. You're a woman of your word. Now, i got to say, in, in going through the Sermon on the Mount, we go through a lot of heavy-duty things, don't we? I mean, we've talked about murder in the heart. We've talked about adultery in the heart. Last week, we talked about divorce and marriage. And, the and you might think of this true thing as something, well, that's not a big deal. It is a big deal. It's a really big deal. Are you that person that's always letting people down? Are you that person that's already making excuses when you already commit to something? Are you that person who will say whatever needs to be said to make things better for yourself? You're hurting people. You're hurting people. And you're discrediting your testimony as a Christian. So you want to go preach the gospel to people. Are they going to take that serious if you can't even, they can't depend upon you? This is a big deal. And we should be broken over that. Now, maybe that is you, and you think, okay, I busted. Repent of that. Ask the Lord to forgive you. And ask the Lord to change you and help you. Remember all of these things in the Sermon of the Mount. They drive us to Christ. We need help in this, don't we? By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can change our ways. Maybe you're the one who messed up a big-time covenant. You said yes, but you broke it. Broken marriage, broken business deal, whatever. Maybe you've made promises to God and you haven't kept them and you're broken over it. The Holy Spirit has touched your heart with his finger. Well, there can be forgiveness, there can be restoration. Do you remember the story of Peter, the apostle? You remember in the upper room, Jesus told all the disciples that he was going to leave and that they were all going to abandon him. You remember that? And Peter said, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said, surely I say to you, Peter, that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. I'll be better than all of these other disciples. I'll keep my word. It wasn't but a few hours later that Peter was standing in a courtyard where Jesus had been arrested, a servant girl. Comes up to him and says, hey, you were with Jesus of Nazareth and he denied it. He said, I do not know what you're saying. Another girl saw him and says, this man is with Jesus. And Matthew 26 says, listen, he, Peter, denied with an oath. I do not know that man. Others came to Peter. Surely you were with him. Your speech or accent betrays you. The scripture says, Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Invoking a divine curse upon himself, making an oath in the name of God that he didn't know Jesus. Immediately, a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus who said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and he wept bitterly. You talk about a colossal failure. Did God write Peter off? You know, Jesus, right after he rose from the dead, one of the first things he said was, Peter, Peter. Take me to Peter because Peter was so broken and Jesus restored him. There's forgiveness. The blood of Jesus Christ washes away all sin. If you have struggled with this, if your life is sort of a big lie in many ways, if you've been living a lie in front of people, Admit that to the Lord. Come to him. Let him restore you. Let him forgive you. Everything about the Sermon on the Mount drives us to Christ. Oh Lord, help me, right? And he's there to help us. And not only forgive us and save us, but empower us to live rightly. To do the right things. Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would. I pray, Lord, that as your people, you would truly help us by the power of your Holy Spirit. to live much differently than people in this world. I pray we would be men and women of integrity, honesty, trustworthiness, Lord. Lord, even when it hurts, we'd rather honor you and hurt some Lord, I thank you that there is forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, your blood washes away every lie we've ever told. We're so grateful. So grateful. So bring forgiveness, bring brand new beginnings, and Lord, empower us, empower us to do what's right, to say what's right. If you're here this morning and you've never received Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Please know the whole point of Christmas is that he was sent to die. He was born to die on a cross for the sins of the world. Our sins were transferred to him. He paid the price for us. Every lie you ever told. He died for those, and he rose again. And the scripture says if you put your faith and trust in him, if you ask him to be your savior, he'll save you. He'll forgive you of all of your sins, make you brand new, born again, a citizen in his kingdom. And he'll give you his Holy Spirit to help you live a life that he wants you to live. Not perfect, but certainly better than others. Because he'll give you the power to do it. If you've never received Christ, I want to invite you right now to do that in the quietness of your heart. Just cry out to God, Lord Jesus, save me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Wash away all my sins. I receive you as Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Spirit and help me to live for you. Thank you for the fresh start. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.